Welcome to the Five Guys Podcast, the show where we dive deep into the world of financial independence and personal finance. Whether you're just starting out on your journey or well on your way to financial freedom, we've got the insights and strategies you need to achieve your financial goals. In each episode, we'll provide actionable tips and real-life success stories to inspire and guide you on your path to financial independence. So grab your notepad and get ready to transform your financial future with the Five Guys Podcast. Let's get started. The Fly Guys is a podcast dedicated to providing general information and insights on a wide range of wealth-related topics. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guests and do not constitute personalized financial advice. The content provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for professional financial advice. Your financial situation and goals are unique, and the information provided here may not be applicable or suitable for your specific circumstances. We, the host, and the guests of the Fly Guys are not acting as your financial advisor. We are not aware of your individual financial situations, risk tolerance, or investment objectives. Any decisions or actions you take based on the information provided on this podcast are your own and made at your own risk. I may be a financial advisor, but I am not your financial advisor. And now that the lawyers are happy, let's get started. Welcome to the Five Guys, where we unravel the mysteries behind financial independence. Are you tired of misinformation surrounding Five? Join us as we debunk myths, share real stories, and explore uncharted territories of achieving true financial freedom. Get ready for a journey that goes beyond cliches as we demystify the path to financial independence and empower you with the knowledge to navigate the realities of your financial future. Stay tuned for an experience that will reshape your perspective on money and freedom. So, let's get started. Yeah, let's right, jump right in. That was a great intro, Doc. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I've been training. Yeah, I've been training. <laughs> I've been training how to read for years. <laughs> Cue the training montage. Man, it wasn't always this easy. <laughs> anyway. But today we're going to be debunking five myths and you know make sure that people who are on the journey to financial independence actually understands what it means because unfortunately with you know the internet one of the good things is we have so much information one of the bad things is a lot of that information is completely wrong yeah and like we've talked about this journey towards financial independence it's a long one it's arduous it's going to take time and you're going to bump up against quite a few walls on that way on that journey to financial independence and if you have a wrong thought or a myth in your mind and you hit one of those walls, you're like, well, this just isn't for me. I'm just going to give up and not even try. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost like decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. There's so many decisions, so many contradicting things. That's like, well, why even try? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So as we explore the realities and each myth of financial independence, I think it's important that we have a clear path on the journey to fight. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons that we're well suited to talk about this is you are still on the path to financial independence I? and I actually have achieved the financial independence. So I can actually give you some pretty firsthand experience as to what it's like on this journey. Um, and tell you that it's not always easy. It's not always hard, but let's go through the myths that are actually out there so we can just talk about them. And I know that you were able to find a bunch of different myths online. So let's talk about those. And then my goal today will be to answer every single one of them so that our audience doesn't think that Oh, I have to, in order to reach financial independence, I have to be a white tech bro who's saving hundred percent of my money living in the mountains somewhere working remote. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you can design your ideal life. We just have to plan for it. Mm -hmm. We just have to plan for it. So with that being said, let's get into some of the myths. So I'm going to go through a little bit of a bullet points, uh, a few bullet points on the myths. And then afterwards, we're going to go through each one. Yeah, basically. So myth number one, will you run out of money? Mm -hmm. That's something that is very scary for retirees. And as someone who's not retired, I don't really think about it that much. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not at that stage of my life. But if I was 65, 70, uh, and I was retired, I'm like, I don't know if I have enough money. That is definitely super scary. Yeah, no, I mean, of course it would be. But there's a way to get around it. There was a way to, re we're gonna talk about it. Stay tuned. Uh, also, you'll have to cut back on your spending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you won't have any purpose. This is all about early retirement, for reference. Mm -hmm. um, You'll get depressed. Yep. Okay. You won't have purpose, like we said. Uh, you can't retire early with kids. Well, that's that's just not true. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, you'll have to save fifty percent of your income to retire early. Retiring early is the key to happiness. Um, yeah. Is retiring early the key to happiness? Oh yeah. Was well, the day I retired? Like I was never sad ever again, and it's just been everything but up. Yeah. Since then, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> It's perfect. Yeah, I'd never have a bad day, actually. Never have it's, a bad it's, day. It's really that easy. Every day is Saturday. Yeah, every day is Saturday. Milkshakes in the morning, cookies for lunch, and cake for dinner. Yeah, but zero purpose. I just wake up, and I drink a pina colada, and I just <laughs> get drunk the entire rest of the day. So, yeah. 
Yep. They're halfway hammered right now. <laughs> <laughs> These are jokes. He's not drunk. Chris doesn't even need lunch at this time. No, I have not yet. No. Um, yeah, so let, let's go ahead and hop into it. So I think the first thing we want to talk about is the FI timeline. Like how long does it actually take myth versus reality to achieve financial independence? Because mm-hmm. what I think a lot of people hear and they see online is, you know, they watch some guy on a TikTok who will tell them like, oh, I was able to achieve financial independence in one year because I worked really hard and day traded and did all this shit. And now I'm a millionaire and I'll never have to work again as they sit in like in a parking lot and they're talking at their screen. Yeah. And you see in the back seat everything's all dirty and they're just like closed back there and you're like, why am I listening to this guy? Yeah. It's very, very strange. Yeah, it's a comparison. You don't want to compare yourself to other people. No, and, and again, you're comparing your insights to their outsides. Mm-hmm. And you also have to believe them. And like like yeah. how how do you know that this person who's telling them all these things actually has done what they're doing? It's very easy to to lie about your outside. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. And most people do. Yep. Yeah. So let's discuss the actual time that it takes to achieve financial independence compared to popular belief. So most people think in order to achieve financial independence, I have to work for probably what? Get out of college around 20 or graduate from high school around 20. I have to work for at least 50 years. Mm-hmm. And like then I can retire like 65 or 70 yeah. if I'm lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. And then other people think the only way to achieve financial independence is I have to work really hard for like two or three years and I can achieve it then. Yeah. So we have a huge skew in terms of like, I can work hard for two years or I have to work hard for 50 years. Yeah. And the number really comes down to your savings rate, how much money you're making minus how much you're earning, and then how much money your money is actually earning for you, the type of investments that you have that's making you passive income, propelling you on the way to FI. Yeah. So where most people think that is going to take them 50 years to retire, they're actually correct if you stick with the old adage of you only save 10% of your income. And for purposes of our discussion, what we're going to do is assume that your income is not going to increase. Of course, it will increase over the time. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are making the most amount of money they're ever going to make in their late 40s um, to late or to early 60s or mm-hmm. late 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very hard to model out just really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because so, the landscape is always changing. Landscape is always changing, and what it's always easier to do is assume right now is going to stay stagnant. Yeah. Because we know that things are going to change in the future, but there's so many factors. Once we start doing that, that's going to get very difficult. So if you're only saving 10% of your income and your income stays stagnant for the rest of your life, yeah, it's going to take you 51 years to retire. Yeah. And then a lot of people think, you know, in order to call myself financially independent or to even be on like the FI train, I have to be saving 50% of my income. 50% is an amazing number. And if you could achieve that, go for it. But that's really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even for me, when I was saving 50% of my income, what I had to forego in order to to achieve that was now looking back too much. Like I wish I would have lived more for the then, now. for the now, rather than hoping once I reach financial independence, I can finally have fun. Because mm-hmm. if you hold, you flex that muscle, muscle too long, I'm going to save money. When it's time to actually spend that money, well, that must them like muscle is really atrophied, and you're gonna have to start to build that muscle up slowly. But if you are saving fifteen percent or fifty percent of your money, we can assume that's gonna take you about seventeen years to call yourself financially independent, given that you're you know investing kind of in a normal way. Yeah. So this isn't just like if you just saved your money and put it in a savings. No, no, you are investing it. You're investing it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, so you're saying the money under my mattress should do something with? Yeah, they probably should. Problem, problem. You can call that your crisis fund. My crisis fund? Yeah, my crisis fund that's sitting down there. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, and then there are a bunch of different factors, right? I think the biggest factor of financial independence, what's going to push it up or push it down, is how much you are spending. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, for one, like we talk about in almost every podcast, is to spend less than you make mm-hmm. so that you have savings that can go towards financial independence. Hi. But... If your if your living expenses are just over, you know, if they're too much, you'll never be able to reach yeah. the fund. And I think uh, this is a good one: is that a lot of people think in order to be financially independent, or in order to call myself part of the financial independence tribe, I need to have a job that is paying me minimum six figures. Yeah, like like I need to be a high earner. Yeah, and can having a high earning income be helpful? One hundred percent. Like I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. Of course, it's going to help you. But what normally comes along with having a high income? means you also have a lot of high expenses. Mm. You go out, you start you start making money. A lot of, like, think of doctors. They finally start making money. They go out, they buy a car, they buy a house. Um, they have a bunch of student loan debt. And now they have all these trappings of wealth that show people that they're wealthy, but now they actually have a lot of debt. 
and all of their income now is going towards supplying the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Where someone who maybe started out with lesser means, yep. and this is kind of where I started with not a lot of money, you have to learn to become comfortable with not a lot. And then you never actually even have the ability to bring in a lot of debt outside of like credit cards, which you know can be dangerous, but you, no one's going and extending you like a bunch of credit to buy loans and they're to buy cars, buy houses, buy all these things. And most of the time you don't have a lot of student debt. So you start to learn to live below your means. So when you start actually making money, you just say like, oh, I'm just going to keep my lifestyle at the same level. Mm-hmm. And now all that extra money is going towards your financial independence, towards buy, towards purchasing assets that are now putting your more money in your pocket while you're sleeping. Bingo. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, having assets that can pay you post-retirement is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to go. And let's get more into that passive income truths. And it's not as easy as people seem. Yeah, it, it really isn't. So many people think that, all I'm going to do is just invest in an S&P 500, which that that's honestly the easiest. The like it, it, I would say the best. It is the easiest. It is the least passive way because you, you can just set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Every month, this much money is going to go into my index funds or my ETFs or my mutual funds or whatever style of investment. I know we at the Five Guys, we recommend ETFs and large passive indexes. Um, but whatever style of investments you want to say is right for you, that's totally cool. But that is definitely the most passive way is just investing your money into the stock market. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people think like, oh, well, I hear the way to achieve financial independence is to purchase a bunch of real estate. True. And from what I hear online is that real estate is the most passive, easiest way to achieve financial independence. Mm-hmm. And I know from your dad and from your experiences kind of helping to manage tenants, yeah. you can see that. Yes, that business can grow and produce a lot of income to you and, and be great, but passive is not really the correct word to use there. Yeah, it's, I'll speak on that a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's passive if you have great tenants, but having great tenants is tough. You know, it's tough to find them oftentimes. Uh, it's funny, uh, one of the tenants in one of the properties right now they, they 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 want to buy one of the homes. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're like, we love this home. We want to buy it. We want to buy it. Unfortunately, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. You know, it's like, why would you kill a golden goose? You know, it brings in a check every month. And that's part of the reason why uh, I personally love real estate. I know you're a your stocks guy. I love stocks, obviously. Um, but for me, like my 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 step towards financial freedom is more towards the finance or more towards the real estate side, just because. I've been in it more. I understand it more. Um, it's not so foreign to me. But no, I mean, um, if you don't know what you're doing, you can lose money. Yep. Yeah. If you, in anything, you know. But in real estate, for sure. Granted, there are benefits to real estate and cons. You know, the tax benefits. We've talked about this last pod. Um, but also, you know, are you willing to stomach houses going down ten percent and twenty percent? You know, on the stock market. You invest in the S and P. I mean, historically, it goes up how much every year? It's like just seven to nine percent, exactly. But there are going to be years that it's down thirty percent. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, no. I mean, real estate is not passive, mm-hmm. but it can become passive if you have the right team in place to manage it. But then you're managing the team, so it's like at the end of the day, you're not going to live a life where it's like, oh, flip the switch, no more work has to be done ever again. It's like, no, you have to maintain things. Yeah, I mean, just like your body, just like. You know, you're not going to survive off your last meal. You have to continuously eat every day. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my take on that. Yeah, I think it's um it's very it's it's difficult, right? So so many people they they go through life doing things they don't want to do eighty to ninety percent of the time, and yeah. so that ten to twenty percent of the time they can actually do the things that they want to do. And unfortunately, because they're so tired from doing the stuff they didn't want to do, mm-hmm. that time that they get to do what they want to do, it's usually spent just kind of vegging out and watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. And when you achieve financial independence, this is like one of the greatest things that 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 fundamentally shifts. And now you get to spend 80 to 90 percent of the time doing the things you want to do. But just like with your passive income things, there's still going to be 10 to 20 percent of times where you're going to do things that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, managing your tenants, dealing with the toilets, tenants, trash like that is yeah. something that is part of passive income. Um, you know, another thing that is very good and one of the ways that I was able to achieve you know, financial independence is by creating my own business. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I would have, that I'd like to do regardless of the money. And I think that's what real financial independence is, is that you're doing things not for the money. 
You're doing it because it lights you up. And the money is just a consequence of the actions of doing things that you like. Yeah. Bingo. I love that. I yeah. Love that. But again, even starting a company, yeah. you know, having your rental properties, investing in the stock market, none of it is easy. No. All of it is work. And there is nothing in this life that is easy. And there's always going to be a trade-off. Mm -hmm. um, and so many people think that it has to be all of one and none of the other. And I can tell you that it can be a combination of every single type of way that can bring you income. And honestly, it should be. The more diversification you have of income streams, the faster you're going to be able to reach financial independence and the less risk you take on. Because if one thing fails, so if my business fails, I still have money coming in from stocks. I still have money coming in from real estate. Mm -hmm. I still have money coming in from my spouse working. Yeah. So there's always going to be different ways of looking at this. 100%. Now, I think the main thing to keep in mind when talking about financial independence is the fact that it is possible. Mm -hmm. It is possible. And oftentimes we think that because the path is hard, the path is impossible, but it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, Chris started out with very little to nothing, had no knowledge of finance, had no knowledge of anything. I mean, he was a baby when he was born <laughs> and he had no knowledge of anything. And he grew to the person that you see today and is financially independent, is secure, doesn't have to worry about money again, um, you know, has his own schedule and all these wonderful things that so many people just dream of, yep. you know, not having to go into this job that they just absolutely hate every day, you know, and you've achieved it and you didn't have any special treatment. You didn't have, you know, millionaire parents or a silver spoon in your mouth. Like you're just an, an average person, maybe even below average to starting out and now you're above average. Yeah. And one thing I will say, this isn't, this wasn't in our like myths, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's a really good one because you, you brought it up there, is that once you achieve financial independence, all of your money problems go away. Mm. They don't. They don't. No. So yeah, for, for you to say like, oh, well, Chris never has to worry about money. Yeah, no, I do have to worry about money. I have to worry about money constantly. Like um, that, that's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. So money problems are always going to be problems. I think the difference is, is rather than fighting the problem and saying like, this shouldn't be a problem is you accept the problem as it is. Yeah. And I can't change the way the world is, but I can accept the way that it is and then tailor my, the way that I'm going to react to that differently. 100%. And that's what financial independence really means to me is that, yeah. you know, it, again, money problems are never going to go. You're always going to have money problems. Yeah. Cause even though I have financial independence and that I could live my lifestyle the way that I have chosen to live my lifestyle mm -hmm. and have extra money. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, you know, if my wife gets injured or something like that and can't bring in, it can't bring in her side of the, her side of the money. Yeah. Or if we decide we want to move and get a bigger house and upgrade, mm -hmm. well, guess what? Now everything has fundamentally changed. The numbers have changed and I'm no longer financially independent. Mm -hmm. If the expenses rise astronomically, so money problems will never go away. But it definitely helps having money to solve the money problem. Yeah, I'm never going to say, whoever says like more money, more problems, like that is partially true, but yeah. like more money helps. Yeah. yeah. Once you're able to beat, once you're able to like hit your basic needs, Yeah. which I think is somewhere around like, it used to be $74,000, but with inflation, it's probably like 113, something like that. Yeah. Once you hit that, more money does not make you more happy. Mm -hmm. Like once you're able to meet your basic needs, pay off mortgage, pay off rent, pay off all these things. Yeah. More money does not just bring happiness. Yeah. It's a, I've, I was watching something on this earlier, actually. It's like money is a curve mm -hmm. in relation to happiness. Cause if you have too much money, people are going to be suing you. People are going to be asking you for money, just problems, problems, problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a sweet spot. Yep. Definitely a sweet spot. Yeah. And then again, that's the hard part is that whatever that sweet spot is, mm -hmm. it varies person to person. It does. Like, yeah. And that's why sometimes work with a financial advisor or someone like a financial coach, someone that can help you along. It's finding what's right for you. And then what's right for you right now might be different in five, 10 years too. Yeah. 100%. No, 100%. Uh, let's get onto the silent five killer though. Mm -hmm. Inflation, but not that kind of inflation. Lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation. So do you know what lifestyle inflation is or like the definition of it? I do, but let's explain it. Yeah. Would you like to explain it on this one? Sure. Go sure. for it. So lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle, explanation, explanation. You know what? Maybe you should take this one. <laughs> After I butcher the first sentence, it's, not, it's all it's all up in arms for me. Yeah. So lifestyle inflation really can derail people on their path to financial independence, and I find that it is probably the worst one of them all, and that the thing that no one over that everyone overlooks. 
Lifestyle inflation is basically as your income rises, so does the quality of life that you want to maintain. So say you make an extra $10,000 a year. Well, if you're not thoughtful on that, that extra $10,000 will easily be absorbed by what your budget is and what you're spending every year. Mm -hmm. And now that you have added that $10,000 in, you can't unsee your life without having that $10,000. It's true. So now when you're trying to save money, you have to now make another $10,000 in order to save money. But a second ago, you didn't even have $10,000 before, but you added into your lifestyle by maybe bringing in a private chef once a month, doing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Jay Cutler is? Mm -hmm. The bodybuilder? Yeah, the bodybuilder. Yeah. So I recently was watching something like Jay Cutler. Um, you know, I, he was kind of one of my inspirations for like lifting a long that's, time that's ago. That's so cool. Um, but Jay Cutler was, he was watching this old video of him and he's eating like his just like raw chicken and beans or whatever, whatever he was eating. This looks, not raw chicken. Not raw chicken. <laughs> just like, just like, <laughs> you were there, chicken, how? Yeah, just like boiled chicken, yeah, like yeah. rice and yeah. peas or whatever. Yeah. And someone's asking him like, do you like, would you just rather eat KFC? And he was like, I've never had KFC. Yep. So no, I've never missed eating KFC. Yeah. And then that's kind of what I think about with lifestyle inflation. Like if you've never had it, they're not going to miss not having it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest things for like me and my life for achieving financial independence is, you know, from the outside looking in, like you would look at my house, look at all the things I have and be like, okay, like he's middle-class, like yeah. he's fine. Yeah. But he's, fine. Not, he's not balling out. Of he's, not, he's not balling out of control, but like, you just looked at me and you're just like, oh, I don't know what the heck that guy does. He just like walks around all day. Like <laughs> goes to jujitsu, goes to jujitsu, like gold meditates, yeah. I don't know what the, what the hell he's doing, but it's because the expenses and all the things that I've chosen to keep out of my life mm -hmm. is what allows me to stay in the current life that I have. Yeah. I think uh, we don't ever talk about that. Mm. It's choices that we choose not to make. Mm -hmm. The stuff we choose not to take on that allows us to live a more fulfilled life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always, we bring it up time and time again, but the way you achieve financial independence is how much money you make minus how much money you spend. And so many people are focused on just making more money. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's not a part of the equation. It's 50% of the equation. Of course, it's really, really important. Yeah. But the thing that's in your control all the time is how much you spend. And if you can choose to keep your lifestyle at like a level that you're comfortable with, happy with, yeah. and rather than focusing on attaining more to show people that you have more and focus on your inner, you know, achieving enlightenment or whatever it is for you. Yeah that's going to keep like lifestyle inflation at bay. Cause they're really, it's so difficult for me to give any one sweeping answer mm -hmm. to get rid of lifestyle inflation. Cause it's just a part of life. Yeah. But if you're mindful of it and you're thinking about it, you know, really adopting that like more minimalistic lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, can really offer you financial independence substantially earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not so much minimalist, but like not buying stupid things you don't need, you know, brand new cars, brand new, this brand new, that when you can get things at, a discount or, you know, stuff like that. Do you know who Marie Kondo is? Uh, yeah, she's the founder of Kondo's Dress. She invented Kondo's? <laughs> no, they have no idea. Marie Kondo, she's a, she's a Japanese woman who, like, helps people with declutter their house. Oh, okay. And whatnot. And so on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And she helps people, like, trying to find joy in their life. So one of the big things that I've taken from her is whenever you're making a purchase, whenever you're trying to look at life, it's mm -hmm. look at things that bring you joy. And yeah. so that's what I always try to do is instead of purchasing things to impress people, mm -hmm. if that's what brings you joy, then yeah, go for it. Yeah. But it's not something that brings me joy. So I'd rather just focus on buying as little as I possibly can. And the things that I am purchasing are things that truly bring me joy. Yeah. That I want to do regardless of what's going on. 100%. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You declutter a lot. I do declutter a lot. Did you do that uh, yep. 30 day thing? We got a lot of rid of a lot of stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> when you told me about that, I was like, no way. Yeah. No way I'm thinking the way he's thinking it's going to. Nope. I got rid of I made. So what, what it is, is every January or once a year, really, we try to do a packing party. So packing party is you get rid of one item on day one, two items on day two, three items on day three. Um, in the month of January, there was 31 days. So after you get rid of all that, you basically get rid of, if there's 31 days, you get rid of like 560 something things. If there's 30 days, you get rid of 530 something things. Um, but yeah, we made many trips to Goodwill and got rid of a bunch of stuff. Dang, that's wild. That's yeah. wild. And we still have, like, we still have a bunch of stuff. You can you can do February? No. <laughs> Not again, but it's a good way to build up that muscle because if I told you go find 500 some odd things and get rid of them right now, 
good luck. Yeah, if, like, so you hate me and you hate my thing, yeah. right? But if you say to get rid of one thing today, it's easy. Two yeah. things a day and just kind of build that muscle. Yeah. And then once you see it all go away, oh, because we had like a pile of just like crap. Like, oh, no, we have to get rid of all quote that stuff. Crap, yeah. yeah, quote unquote crap. But once it's gone, like, you don't miss it anymore. Um, yeah, so. Because you weren't paying attention to it in the first place. No, it was, no, the reason I got rid of it was because it was just sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Let's get on to another one. Uh, are we on? Oh, we're on right out of six. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Uh, investment myths in the financial journey. Yep. So let's tackle some of the misconceptions about that. Yeah, I think that the biggest risk is that in order to achieve financial independence, we have to take high risk with our investments. Mm -hmm. We have to earn a lot of money mm -hmm. and we have to spend nothing. Yeah. Right? High risk, lose nothing. Yeah. And spend nothing. And spend nothing. Yeah. Not not practical. It's not practical. It's like it's not why. It's not wise. And life is not gonna be that way. Like if there's one thing that I, we can teach you is that life is lumpy. Like it just is. And you might have the perfect plan, but um was that old Mike Tyson quote, like you might have the perfect plan until life punches you in the face yep. and that it really is what it is. Um, so in order to achieve financial dependence, yes, you do need to make more money than you spend, but that does not mean that you need to have a six, seven figure income. You can make it off of a $50,000 income given that you're spending $30,000. Is it going to be difficult to only spend $30,000 and live a sustaining life? Yeah, probably. Um, but you can achieve that. So mm -hmm. what we're here to say is that anyone can achieve financial independence if you're willing to decrease your lifestyle and then increase the timeline that's going to take you to achieve financial independence. Yep. Yeah. And yet you do not need to take on high amounts of risk with your investments in order to produce more income. Because that's kind of the crazy thing about it. It's, you know, income minus expenses equals your driver to five. But your driver to five, the more that money is making is actually adding more money to the income. So like this, it creates this passive loop yeah. where A plus B equals C, but C actually increases A. Comes back to A and then it just restarts the loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's an infinite money glitch. Yeah, yeah. Infinite money glitch. It's like grabbing a, uh, an extension cord and you plug or a power strip <laughs> and you plug the end into it and you have infinite power. Basically. Exactly. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's like, a, why does not, why doesn't everyone do this? Um, <laughs> but I think that it's just, it's very overlooked in that, in, in that, you know, there's so many misconceptions of, you know, I just need to produce, I need to bring in a lot of money. If I bring in a lot of money, I'll achieve financial independence, but they really forget about the spending money and then how they're investing the money. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you got to keep your eye on all of it mm -hmm. if you want to get to early retirement. And that can be a really, that can be a reality check for some people, because if you don't fail to, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to plan to fail. Yep. And that's just, that's just what it comes down to. So what are some of the myths for early retirement? One of the, I think the biggest myth for early retirement is that everyone on your path to financial independence is going to be cheering you on and like, you go, Dom, you're doing such a good job. Keep it up. Yeah. Keep making money. Yeah. We all support you. Yeah. Because in reality, this is a journey that not many people are on. Yeah. And when you tell your friends, hey, um, I'm not planning on going out with you guys tomorrow night because I want to save my money. I'm going to eat at home. Mm -hmm. You think your friends are going to be like, Good for you, man. Good like, for you. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. No, they're going to be like, no, hang out with us. Yeah. So it's all going to be like, none of this stuff is easy. That's what it comes down to. I think is the biggest myth of retiring early in financial dependence is that once I achieve it and on my path to achieving it, everything's going to be easy, hunky dory. And I just get to go through life all happy that things are going great. Yeah. Another myth that I find all the time is it's like, oh, the retirement age is 65. It's like, when you hit 65, there's not like a magic lottery that you just win. Like, it's not just like, I'm 65, I can retire now. It's like, did you plan for it? Because mm -hmm. if you didn't plan for it, you're not really going to be ready for retirement. Yeah, I think that's really important. Is a lot of people think that they, that there's like some sort of a law on the books that say you cannot retire until you're 65. Yeah, or you can't work after you're 65. Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's some, it's illegal. It's illegal, but you know. Only on six, like, I think, well, you can start claiming social security at like 62 or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. Uh, you, you know, that's when you start claiming your social security, but you can wait till you're 72 and then get the max benefit. But I mean, if you want to, you can retire at 20. Yeah. Given that you have enough money to be able to passively make that. Or I think the better way is just to make enough money. That's why there's so many different, like different levels of financial independence and my financial independence is coast financial independence, where if I never save another dollar again, when I reach retirement, 
I'm, me and my wife are going to be good. Like we have yeah. enough money saved up, but that still means that in the in the interim, we still need to have enough cash flow to make our bills and everything. Which luckily we have, you know, more than enough to do that. Um, but I think that's a better way of like looking at things rather than having so much money that you never have to work again. Because even if you do retire early, and this is another huge myth, is once I retire early, I am not allowed to make money ever again, or like I'm not a part of the tribe. Yeah. No, most people that achieve financial independence end up making more money than when they're actually working because now they start pursuing their passions and things that they like and the people come to them and, you know. And you you have the most money possible mm -hmm. at that stage of your life. So it's invested. So it's making more money as well. Yep. So the yeah. a, mi a minus B plus C thing equals yep. C. That C is also adding more into A. Yeah. So yeah, that's just one of the most helpful things. Definitely, definitely. So getting on with it, budgeting myths. Mm -hmm. I know that's a scary word for a lot of people. Budgeting. Oh, spooky. Um, there's a lot of common challenges with budgeting. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think in order to call myself part of the Phi tribe, I have to practice extreme frugality. Yeah. Like I need to be rewashing or like reusing toilet paper. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, like washing my yeah. tin foil. Yeah. Showing, <laughs> showing up at the store with like 50 coupons and like yeah. just telling everyone in line, like, sorry, you're going to be here for a while yeah. and doing that. Yeah. And like, that's not what financial independence means to me at all. No. Yeah. Not at all. I'm flushing my toilet paper. It's out on the toilet. <laughs> the first time. Yeah, the first time. <laughs> it's going out of the toilet. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that scarcity mindset mm -hmm. when it comes to budgeting and retiring because you don't want to run out of money. Mm -hmm. But if you plan for it and you allot, hey, this is how much I can spend. Yep. And and rather than calling it a budget, maybe we can call it like a spending plan. So rather than saying like, like how, much, how much can I not spend, it's saying how much money can I spend? It's the exact same thing, but we're looking on the other side of the ledger. We're looking at that glass half full rather than half empty. And I think that's very empowering for me. And I'm not the biggest fan of like budgeting in order to say like, I can only spend this much money here. You know, we've talked about best ways to track money, but I'm more into like spend tracking mm -hmm. and just seeing, looking for general trends, how much money are we spending? How much money are we saving? That way we can make conscious decisions and me and my wife can talk about it and say, did we spend our money wisely? Would we want to do this again? So that next time the urge comes up to maybe go out for dinner with friends or to purchase, I don't know, some BS like tablecloth for the kitchen or whatnot, we can say like, it is worth going out and spending time with our friends and going to dinner, but it's not worth buying a $200 tablecloth. No, hundred percent. I think, um, what was that word you said? It was, there's spending budget and then spending, spending plan, spending plan. The way I see it is like, if you have a budget, chances are you're going to overspend on yep. it. Chances are, but a spending plan, that's a total psychological switch. Mm -hmm. Me personally. And it's more like the way I see it is like I have a, uh, you know, like when you were a kid, you went to like the arcade and you had like, well, maybe not this for you, but they had like a card and you'd fill up, you'd put like, oh, I got a thousand points on this card, right? Yeah, no, we had coins. Yeah, you had <laughs> coins back then. So for us, we had cards. So it's like, okay, $10, I got a thousand, thousand coins, thousand coins. I'd go and I can play this game, that game, and you strategize about it. Mm -hmm. But when you have that card, you don't go over it. And sometimes for me, I would go under it so that I would have some for the next time. Mm -hmm. Or if there was like something I really wanted. And I find that I like the, I'm not a big fan of the budget, the word budget. It's very constraining. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about many times, but the spending plan, it's like, okay, cool. It turns a negative into positive. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I have X amount of dollars to spend on snacks this month, on food this month, on, on, um, this is my, this account. I have allotted a hundred dollars for spending on stuff that I really want to get mm -hmm. that I've been saving for or whatnot. And I, I, I think I like that a lot better yep. than budget. I like that a lot better. Yeah. And the, the hard thing about budgeting is it's, it's either you pass or you fail. Yeah. I either stuck to my budget and I passed or I failed. And unfortunately, if you fail too many times, everyone just says, F it, I'm going to give up and not even try anymore. Yeah. With a spending plan, like how do you lose at a spending plan? Exactly. You don't, there really is no loss. Like, and that's why I really like the, the budget and track there, the tracking is at the end of the month, I can look at my money and say, I spent this much money here. I didn't really win or lose either way, mm -hmm. but would I, if I could go back, would I spend my money there again? Yeah. Yes or no. 
And if it's yes, then I'm going to do it again the next month. If it's no, then next month when that thing comes back up, I can now be more mindful that, hey, last month I wasn't very happy that I spent that money. So, you know, just looking at more empowering ways of looking at things. Um, but yeah, we, when you do achieve financial independence, yes, you will have to live off of more of a fixed income. Mm-hmm. And you can supplement that by continuing to bring in more money. Mm-hmm. So again, just because you've achieved financial independence, it does not mean that you have to stop working. That's what barista f- financial independence is, is once I achieve financial independence, I'm just going to go do a job that I think is fun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to go work at Cabela's or yeah. I'm just going to, you know, go around and like I'll tutor somebody. I will become a financial advisor where I'm teaching people mm-hmm. doing the exact same things that I have achieved for myself in my life. That's what I did. You know, there's so many different things uh, of being able to achieve financial independence. And just because you reach it, doesn't mean you have to stop bringing in money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about the truth, though. Mm-hmm. Ain't no more myths. Truth about financial sacrifices mm-hmm. when it comes to FI. So there are financial sacrifices. And yeah. I think so many people, they think like, I want to have my cake and I want to eat it too. Mm-hmm. But like we said, if you're on the path to FI, there are going to be times that you're going to have to make a choice for the long-term you for achieving that financial independence rather than having fun right now. So that might mean that you might have to forego going out to dinner with friends. You may have to forego going on that big trip. Yeah. Or you can choose to still go on those things, but just remember that now my timeline for financial independence has just been brought out a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. It's been taken out just a little bit farther. Yeah. So I would never tell anyone to forego anything. It's going to be your personal choice as to what's right for you, but all life is trade-offs. All life is sacrifices, yep. yeah. you know? A minus B equals C. Well, if A is kind of fixed, we can try to work to increase how much money we're bringing in and we can try to work as much as we can to decrease our lifestyle. But once we decrease our lifestyle to a certain level, then it's not really worth playing anymore. Yeah. And that's why I say like, we need to make sure that we stay in the game long enough to win rather than try to win immediately. Guys, if you're going to take anything away, that's probably it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay in the game long enough to win. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've taken it to, to both extremes where I was spending all of my money in order to show people that I had money. Then I've taken it to the extreme of not having or not spending any money in order to save all my money to achieve financial independence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the day that you achieve financial independence, nothing happens. The sky doesn't open up. You don't get a halo. Like, uh, like yeah. nothing happens. It's just like another day and you just have more money in your accounts. You're like, oh, weird. Like, yeah. I, I've done it. Yeah. Um, but nothing like fundamentally changes. And now looking back, I wish that I would have had more fun. And that's the one thing that I love my wife for being able to show me is that you can both plan for the future mm-hmm. and have fun today. Yeah. And what that means for our, our listener here is going to be something completely different from you to me to Dominic. Yeah. It's always going to be what's different for, it's going to be different and that's okay. Yeah. That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the real sacrifice there mm-hmm. is that there's always going to be a trade-off. And what trade-off are you willing to do? Are you willing to forego some fun now to have way more fun in the future? Or are you willing to say, no, I want to have fun now and I want to have fun in the future? And you can split the difference. Or you can just say, YOLO, I'm not even going to save any money and never retire. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it's your life. You know, got to play it how you want to play it. Yeah. We brought up in the last podcast, but the most important thing about being good with finances and being good at being a good investor mm-hmm. is knowing yourself. Yep. Yeah. Simple as that. I think it's simple as that. Yeah. I mean, that's the personal aspect of personal finance. You know, it's, it's only for you because Chris can make a plan. It's not the plan for me. I can make a plan. It's not the plan for you. Mm-hmm. It'd be totally different plans, you know, because we're on two different tra- tra- trajectories and we just have different goals, mm-hmm. but you know, we both want to be financially free or you already are. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a fun it's a fun game to play. Yeah, personal finance. It doesn't have to be yucky. It doesn't have to be gross, scary, intimidating. Um, it can be fun. It can be fun, and we've shown that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when you're once you do have a plan, or most people, unfortunately, they don't even have a plan. No, that most true. people are going through life just trying to figure it out. Or like, or uh, so much of it is hope. Yeah, I hope this will work out, yeah. or I think this will work out. Yeah. Um, and that's where like working with a financial advisor, a financial coach, or someone to actually put a plan in place will be helpful. Also knowing that the plan most likely, no, not even most likely, the plan will change. 
Yeah. Because life will change. The circumstances around life will change. And until you're willing to at least start to implement the plan a little bit, can we, we, we can never start with a perfect plan. You have to get started to find the perfect plan. Now, I've, I've told this story before, but when I was, you know, doing financial plans for people, people were paying me two, $3,000 to do these financial plans. And they were like, excellent, ready to execute. Super detailed. Yeah. But people would never follow through with it because plans always changed and the, the thing ever worked out. And until I figured out that we have to focus on your money mindset, we have to focus on so much more because you are so much more than just a number in a bank account. Yep. You know, you are, you are the amalgamation of all of your experiences, your genetics, your story. And until we incorporate that into the plan and how you are going to react, you know, you're never going to actually implement everything. And the moment you hit a wall, the first wall, with the reason we're doing this entire podcast on myths, you're going to give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a plan, guys, just follow through. Yep, you gotta you gotta follow through. There's no point having a plan if you don't execute it. And you also need to make sure that your plan is realistic. Yes. Yeah. That's that's another hard thing. You know, I, I recently met with um, someone who is in who is in nursing school, and they were telling me. Well, once I leave nursing school, I'm going to become a travel nurse and travel nurses make roughly 120 to 200,000, let's okay. say to 180, you get 120 to 180, depending on what part of the States they're in. And they told me like, so I'm going to be able to work for three years. I'll pay off all of my student debt and I'm going to call myself financially independent by the time I'm 24. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at the inputs. So let's say they make it a higher at higher end of their range, 180. Yeah. Like, shit, let's call it 200,000. 200,000, easy math. $200,000, no taxes are taken out. They have no student loans and they say, and they, and for the next three years, they spend no money. Yeah. They just save all of it. Well, at the end of three years, they have $600,000. Unless their lifestyle is going to be, let's, let's even do that. So unless they want to decide that their lifestyle is going to be based off of 600,000 divided by four and 600,000 added Wait, no. Is it divided by four? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so basically they're going to say they're going to live off of $1,500 a year. Yeah. No. fifty or $15,000 a year. $15,000, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're basically going to say they're going to live off of $15,000 a year for the rest of their life. Hmm. And that, that didn't take into account their student loan debt. That didn't take into account getting, having a child one day anything like that. So that's the part of financial planning that gets very messy. And that's why you always want to start with the end goal. What is your end goal? And how do we get there for you? Yeah. Hmm. So how did you, and just quick question, how for the viewer as well, how did you get to that number? So we had the 600,000 saved up mm -hmm. and you, I see. So you pulled out 4%. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I pulled out 4% of that. Gotcha. Saying that you was invested in the market. And then we pull up 4% and even 4% would probably be really high because this person's going to be at 32%. Yeah. Remember the Trinity study is worst case scenario. You're never earning another dollar again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I wouldn't, but that that's worst case scenario. Interesting. And there's still a high percentage or there's still a percent or a chance that they could lose. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um, so is it, Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. So it's, it's, it's 24,000 now that I think about 24,000. Yeah. Yeah. So basically you have to live off of $24,000 in yeah. year, given that he had 600,000 invested mm -hmm. and on down markets, up markets, they can roughly statistically with a 95% accuracy, mm -hmm. be able to do that for at least 30 years. Yeah. But if you're going to be doing it at 25, I usually recommend that we're in pulling three to 3.4 to 3.4%. Yeah. That, that way lowers because your time horizon has now increased by double mm -hmm. because you don't want to run out of money. Nope. But then again, that's also saying that they're never going to work and they're never going to bring in money. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we're looking at this stuff from like a financial planning standpoint, we're just looking at numbers on a page. Mm -hmm. That's not taking into account that people are people. Yeah. And on years that the market's down 30%, I really doubt that someone's going to be like, I said, I have to pull 4%. So I have to pull 4%. <laughs> but you know, life just kind of yeah. changes at that. Yeah. But that time, I'll maybe just go get a job at Starbucks for a year to bring yeah. a little bit of additional income and not have to pull from the account while it's down. Yeah. That's secrets of return risks. Yeah. Or do freelance work or yeah, or whatever. Do something. Like, do something. Yeah, the myth of financial independence. The biggest myth is that once you achieve financial independence, you can no longer make money. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true. 
Yeah, that's not true. The same thing with retirees. Once most retirees, I mean, not a lot of them work, but some of them decide to go back to work because they're bored and they want to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to our last point. Yep. The mental health aspect of financial independence. Yep. We don't talk about it too, too much, but we should. Yeah, we definitely should. I think that this is one of the, yeah, very underlooked things. There's so many people think that once I achieve financial independence, I'm good. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. Like that's, that's the goal is once I achieve it, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I said, the day you achieve it, it's going to feel great. Like I'm not saying it doesn't feel great. Yeah. But then you come to the realization that, oh no, I don't have sustained happiness. Yeah. You just like that on a treadmill and just like lifestyle inflation, you could become used to it. And then now the next day you're just like, yeah, I'm still financially independent. But a week later you're just like, all right, now what am I doing? Yeah. And now you've, assigned to a baseline level of happiness. And that's actually what leads most people to depression is because they realize that the goal they were chasing after was the wrong goal. Yeah. yeah. Financial independence, the journey was the destination. You know, wherever you are, there you are. Like simple as that. Yeah, the obstacle was the way. And rather than focusing on getting to the goal, what they should have been doing is focusing on self-actualizing and becoming happy with what they had in the moment. And now be not trying to find what true well-being means to them. 100%. 100%. I think it's very important that everybody, including the viewer and the listener, uh, really take in who they are mm -hmm. and really discover who they are and work on themselves and build that mental peace, that yeah. mental clarity uh, on the day-to-day because -day, it's not going to, you know, you hit financial independence, you hit retirement, you hit 65, flip of the switch, it's not, it's not, that's, that's not a thing. Yep. It doesn't just happen. Nope. You have to make it happen. Yep. And so many people think like, uh, it is true. Like when you get to financial independence, you can get bored. You won't be able to socialize with people like you did at work, uh, or you may not be able to. You maybe won't have purpose and, you know, it is not the key to happiness. So you can find depression. Like all those things are true. So if people say that, like these are the truths of financial independence, they are right. But also it could not be. Like you don't have to do that given that when you achieve financial dependence, that's the biggest thing that when I ask people, remember the way I had that five Friday feedback where there was some young kid who was like, I want to be financially independent right now. Mm -hmm. And like my first question was once you achieve financial dependence, what are you going to do with your life? Yeah. You know, because if you financially, if you're financially independent at 25 or 30, you have a lot of life still left to live. Yeah. At least 50, 60 years. Yep. And like we've said before, to retire is to expire and to just do nothing with your life. It's going to be difficult. So you have to socialize. I mean, that's why so much of my day, that's the reason, one of the big reasons I like the podcast because I just socialize with you. I'm going and I'm doing jujitsu coaching. Yep. I'm walking around. I'm spending time with my dogs, but like, that's what works for me. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need to have work to socialize. I mean, most people work remotely anyways. Yeah. And we've known that nowadays, you know, according to um, the attorney general, one of the biggest issues is loneliness. Mm. It's causing like, huge health concerns amongst the world because so many people have zero connection anymore. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about pursuing financial independence is you can have connection right now. Yeah. You can be financially independent. You can have all these things right now. And all it really is the mindset shift. Yeah. Not to say that the money is not important because the money is obviously important yeah. as well. But you can start to love the journey rather than just focusing on the destination. Absolutely. Because no. just like on a hike, just because you reach the top, the hike isn't over. No. No, I love that. With that being said, let's get under our action steps. Action steps. So now that we actually have kind of talked about the myths about financial independence, I, the biggest thing I want people to take away is that you need to be realistic in your financial planning mm -hmm. and setting up your plan. So this week's action step is create a realistic financial plan. So what that means is first we're going to assess our current financial situation. I know this is difficult for a lot of people. I know most people don't want to look at it because it's scary, but you need to know detail. How much income do you have coming in? How much expenses do you have coming in? And overall, what is my financial health? If you have questions on that or you're confused, you can always reach out to me, Chris at MonsOnWealth.com. You know, I've given you access to my element software. Mm -hmm. You know, that's probably one of the best ways that I've been able to just do a quick assessment as to giving you a quote unquote score towards your financial health by being able to find your total term or how far you are away from financial independence. Definitely. Um, and that also means you have to understand your current savings rate, your investments, and your debt. 
Yep. You need to know all of these numbers in order to start even working on a plan. After that, I want you to set realistic goals based off what you're looking at that that's unique to your circumstances. So consider a timeline, uh, how long it's going to take you to achieve financial independence? What kind of lifestyle do you want when you achieve financial independence? Because, you know, some people think in order to be financially independent, I need to be able to wake up every day, get on my private jet and fly to an island, yeah. you know, and then sit there. Or your lifestyle can be, I want to wake up, cold plunge, hang out at home, chill with my dogs, yeah. do some work for my clients, yeah. and then prep for a podcast. Yeah. Like that could be your day too. And th those are both levels of financial independence, just one costs substantially less than the other. Yeah. Um, so consider all that and then consider what, why you want to achieve financial independence. What's the bigger goal? Is it to have autonomy of your time? Is it to spend time with your family? Is it to be able to give back to the community? Yeah. All of those things are possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, yeah, guys, thank you for joining us on this illuminating exploration of financial independence with the Fi Guys on the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the journey of demystifying the myths and gaining a clear understanding to the path to true financial freedom. If you found any value in today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, like, like and leave a review. Um, if you, you know, your feedback really fuels us. It, it, it empowers us uh, to make better podcasts and make better content for you. And we're always trying to improve. Um, literally right after this podcast, we're going to my place and we're going to work on the podcast, change some stuff up, but, um, yeah, stay connected with us, uh, at the five guys.com, share your thoughts, experiences, and your own financial independent stories. Uh, and we'd love to hear from the community. You know, we do the five Friday feedback viewer mailbag every Friday, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Or if you have any questions, hit us up. But, um, yeah, as we wrap up today's episode, remember that your true financial future is in your hands. So keep questioning, keep learning, keep striving for that financial freedom that you truly deserve. And until next time, you know, he's Chris, I'm Dom. And uh, yeah, that's five guys. Wishing you a fulfilled and fulfilling prosperity on your financial empowerment. Take care, stay financially curious, and remember the fee for the show. If you found value on today's episode, please tell a friend and join us this Friday for five Friday feedback. We're actually gonna be deep bringing up a couple of other myths um, that we didn't talk about today. You know, can I retire with kids? Mm -hmm. We should maybe talk about that. Um, and then how do I retire without insurance too? Ooh, yes. So we'll talk about a few other ones that we didn't bring up today. Some yeah. big myths yeah. and even give you some action steps on how to achieve that as well. I love that. So until Friday, later. Peace. <laughs> this video podcast is sponsored by Monzon Wealth. The content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice. We do not endorse specific products or services. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests, not the podcast sponsor. It is crucial to consult with a qualified financial advisor or professional who can provide advice tailored to your specific needs before making any financial decisions, investments, or taking any other actions. If you are seeking specified help, you can reach out to Chris at monsonwealth.com.